Welcome back to another episode of the Book It Podcast. On today's episode, we get into the weekend that was. Should Clemson fans worry this week without Lawrence against the Fighting Irish? Does losing Ronnie Stanley eliminate the Ravens from the Super Bowl? The Raiders get a big victory in windy Cleveland. And of course, it's Tua time. With the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Tua Tagovailoa. Barkley from inside his own five. Barkley with a hook. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley runs the opening kick. 97 yards. What's up, Bucket fam? We're back. I'm your host, Alex Everly, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Alan Reniger. Buddy, how you doing today? Oh, another day. I mean, uh, double day recovering. Obviously, uh, yesterday we were supposed to record a second show. Uh, we're going to start this thing where we do two shows a week. Everly, definitely update you more on that. Um, it was a weekend. Saturday was definitely one of those nights that I wish I could rewind the clock on, but uh, as so many great teams before me, you know, you fall on the court, you fail sometimes, the the playground isn't the place to be. It's my word of advice. Yeah, I called Alan yesterday. So this was my plan. So I'll, I'll inform you guys real quick. So what we're going to start doing is we're going to start doing two shows a week. Week We're going to do one Sunday night right after all the Sunday night game, right after the, the 4 o'clock slate during the Sunday night game. Review the weekend, review Saturday, Sunday, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Review that all, college and NFL. Keep it under half an hour post-Monday. And then we're going to have another one. We're going to do it Wednesday. And that's not going to go over the Thursday night game. The Thursday night game will be, re- will be talked about in this episode, in the Monday episode. And then we'll, we'll post Wednesday for the weekend slate, obviously. And that's, once again, we're going to keep that under 30 minutes. I think that's the best thing for everyone. I, we're getting a lot of input that a little shorter would be better. So we said two things. And now you could look back. And if you watch all the games, you could say, hey, how, how are these guys reviewing it? Quick listen to a little 25, 30 minutes. And then now you could take that into your week of, week of thought. But, uh, yeah, I called Alan yesterday. And I said, buddy, you, you want to do this? It was 5 o'clock at night. He said, I woke up two hours ago. I said, huh, that's good. Yeah, it was definitely a rough weekend for your boy. Um, it, you know, I usually don't I don't drink like that uh, on any, any normal occasion. Uh, it was obviously Halloween, one of my favorite uh, holidays of the year. If if a beer was uh, Laurie Strode's, I was Michael Meyer. You know what I mean? Uh, if the beer was uh, the Cam Counselor, I was Jason on the thirteenth. Uh, it was it was an ideal, un, unrealistic night. But we're going to get through this here. We're going to give you the picks, and uh, hopefully we keep this under a half an hour. So I'll shut the hell up, and let's get this train rolling. <laughs> okay. With that being said, we'll jump right into some college football preview. I'll start us off here. Texas football, man. Are they back? Sam Ellinger winning an overtime thriller. It was a great win by them, but I will say, I know I brought up post-game win expectancy previous. This is a record, folks. O- OSU, Oklahoma State, was a 3%, had a 3% post-game win expectancy after this game, after Texas beat them in overtime. It's worse than Penn State's loss to Indiana. It's a new low. Um, so, Alan, I ask you, are the Longhorns back, or are we uh, going to be looking to fade this team going forward? It are, is Texas back? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, okay, uh, I know everybody was on an okay Oklahoma State 
uh, bandwagon for postseason expectancy this year. But um, from what I see in week one to week, uh, what are we in week four or five, six? Oh, it's uh, it's all over the place. I think I think yeah. ACC's on week eight. I think the Big Twelve might be on week seven. Might be on six or seven. The SEC's on like five yeah. or six. Big Ten's on two. Uh, or I three. wasn't very. I was I was not very impressed with this uh, Oklahoma State team to begin with. Um, congrats, hats off to Texas and Sam Ellinger. I think Sam Ellinger is um, a good quarterback. I think he has uh, tremendous upside and potential. But uh, I wouldn't say Texas is back. I think they have a long road ahead of them yet. It's just one of those deals where uh, I, I I just I don't have any. Um, the Big 12 isn't the big, tough Big 12. Just like when we talk about Big 10 football, when you talk about, like, uh, you look back at the old rivalries, Nebraska, Oklahoma, tough games, mental games, games that are – it's just uh, football's evolving, and it's just it's going to be interesting to see where, where it goes within the next five years. I agree. Um, something I know you'll want to talk about, Clemson, without Trevor Lawrence. God, man. I, the team – now, I didn't see much this game. I was at Cornhole Tournament. Um, I'm not sure if you saw much of this, but I saw some highlights, blah, blah, blah. Watched blah. the whole game. The, okay, so you, you could tell me more. The quarterback actually played well. I looked at his stat line even at halftime. He was playing a good game, and he's probably the future of this team. But the team just in general did not play well at all. That's, that's the take I took from from the highlights and the stats and the box score I looked at. Well, here's the thing. You have a guy like Trevor Lawrence who has tremendous impact on the field who, who could – take a game and make it uh, a 20 minus 21 minus 28 game um, where you put in somebody, a true freshman. Yeah. He's a big boy, but let's, let's face it. I mean, at 18, 19 years old, I didn't even get a chance to look at this kid's um, mental state. Uh, it's, it's a different kinds of situation that you're put into when you're a top program over the last five years. I think he did play uh, well for just getting thrown in there. Like he did, obviously he's been practicing this whole time, but um defensively I think I think this is a game that a lot of people don't understand how good Boston College is with Phil Jerovic stepping in there this is obviously a very good uh, four and three now after the Clemson game Boston College team uh, the ACC is not a joke this year not not that in past years it's been a joke but there's some there's some sneak up teams there you figure the backup for uh, Clemson went to Duke uh, you get the point. There's been transfers all over. I think there's talent. Anyways, with that being said, Clemson, on the other hand, this just is a testament to show that how Dabo Sweeney has the next man in mentality. He was able to pull out this game. I don't think this is detrimental to their number where they sit in the rankings. I think this is just another testament how tough this football team is and how tough that the Dabo Sweeney squad and the Mike Vray, uh I mean – uh, what's the what's the defense coordinator down there? Uh, yeah, I'll look, I'll look it up. Venerable, 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 something like that. Yeah, uh, I love his coaching outlook. I think this is a very tough team. I think, I, I I don't think it was that big of a deal. I really don't. Second half, it was a tale of two halves too. I don't know if you got that. Just obviously, I, I saw that. That was really easy to see in the box score. That was, I mean, Boston College couldn't do. They I, they didn't score a point. I don't think they had a lot of yards. No. Clemson obviously took over the second half. They weren't the explosive Clemson that we that we know that put up 50 points, but I think yeah. that goes to a test where you said Boston College is a legit team. And I also chalk it up to a little bit, not having Lawrence out there, the team said, wow, our, our guy, our leader is, is, isn't there. And I think that could have played into a little bit first half. And then Dabo got him in the second half, said, hey, guys, we might not have this kid, but we got to play without him because you guys are playing good. You just have to play more sound football, blah, blah, blah. And they did that. And you're right. They got the win. Um, and it was a big win because you can't you can't lose a game like that and and maybe later on the season to look back and say it was a close game but you say oh, Lawrence was out and they actually came back and won this game it's actually probably chalks up to a better team win than uh, Ant win more so 
Absolutely. And I didn't mean to ramble on there. You, you hit the nail on the head. First half, I think this was just a team that, that just struggled to find identity and uh, offensively and defensively. I think the defense is what kept them in it. Second half, they came out, and I'll tell you what, this team was able to move the ball at will, and they should have put up more points on the board. It was tremendous to see how the freshman and, and his parents obviously got to experience him start his first game there. And it was honestly, uh, it was one of those magical moments that I would love to see as my, if, if my kid was a division one athlete and came out there and got a win, I don't care how he got it. A win's a win in my playbook. Yep. I agree. Uh, and then they're going into Notre Dame next week uh, against your boys. Probably the best matchup of the year. In my opinion, if, if, if Notre Dame would get Clemson on the first week without, without Lawrence and they were playing Notre Dame this week, I think Notre Dame would have routed them personally. But with being the second week, this kid already has a game under their belt. They came back and won. I think this is going to be a much closer game to what you would see with Lawrence in there. Obviously the Lawrence effect matters a lot. It's probably worth probably close to three to seven points to the spread, at least I would say. But I think this is going to be a really hard fought game. I give Notre Dame obviously a much bigger edge to win this game without Lawrence compared to with Lawrence. In the end, I think Clemson will be the better team and show out. I didn't completely get into this game fully, but I am really looking forward to this game. I was hoping to see a much better Notre Dame passing attack over this past week. I don't think they played terrible last week. I think the final was 30-13, 33-13, something like that along those lines. This was a team that I thought they should have beat them by 20 points soundly, and they struggled to do that. Uh, I don't think they struggled. I think they just you know, had some miscues, some... They, they drive all the way down the, the, the field and fumble on the 20, and Georgia Tech takes it back for a touchdown. Uh, just miscues. Typical Notre Dame stuff that really get to, you know, irritate you as a fan over time. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Notre Dame has a tremendous run game this year. I think the offensive line um, is fantastic. I think this, like I said before, this is a team, Notre Dame team, I think that um, – Although it struggles with the passing offense, uh, typical Notre Dame fashion, comes out, takes you behind the woodshed, they're going to run the football. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Trevor recovers from the COVID stint. Um, I know the line's plus six, minus six right now. Um, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, that's all I pretty much have to say about it. Yep, we'll jump into that more uh, later in the week. Uh, one other thing I want to jump to, this is a quick one about the about the Big Ten. Purdue, 2-0 without Rondell Moore. Our futures, folks, if you took any at uh, – Whatever is two hundred to one on on Fox Bet when I took it, uh, small bet. But hey, we're looking pretty with whiskey. Honestly, Wisconsin there with them being out probably this week and maybe next week they could get disqualified from the Big Ten championship if they miss three weeks. Uh, they have twenty players as of Saturday were tested positive, so could be up in the air. But that would be a COVID luck box to have whiskey eliminated from the Big Ten championship or being able to play in the Big Ten compete for a championship because that's Purdue's biggest challenge out there in the West. Alan, uh, anything on that or any other takeaways from college? And then we could uh, jump right into the NFL. Uh, big 10. I think the takeaway from big 10 is a, a, a big thing this week. Obviously uh, Penn state drops. Oh, and two, no, I didn't mean to rub that in Ev, but it's one of those things where I think they fought and, you know, they showed up, but um, altogether, I think, like I said, this, this week was definitely going to be a telltale sign for the big 10. And I think we've seen that Rutgers isn't as bad of a football team as in prior years. Uh, that's a team to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Michigan, Michigan state, Michigan state sneaks away with a rivalry. There is Jim Harbaugh's job up in the air. I know I asked that question the first week we did college football for the big 10. Um, how does he still have a job? Um, I think, you know, 
he can he he's not a big game guy he's not a, a finisher uh, rivalry games ohio state uh i mean i think some bad luck happens to harbaugh but this is something that you should have been prepared for and especially this team lost to Rutgers week one i'm not saying that i'm not taking anything away obviously we've seen how Rutgers played against indiana but i'm looking forward to the rest of the big 10 i think this is going to be interesting through an eight game series here yep uh i'll jump in right there the penn state hey they played shitty without Parsons, without Jeremy Brown, a lot of stuff hurt there. Ohio State was just the better team, in my opinion. Ohio State was the better team. Hey, Jahan Dotson, though, he is a star in the making. That one-handed catch was nasty. Absolutely. I and think- the way he walked in the end zone with that, too. I mean, he, he looked like a physical press uh, president. Uh, he really he gave off a, a, an aura about him. You know, it was incredible. You are right. Uh, Clifford, he's a long way to go. He's, he's what, a junior this year. Really worried about him. I don't know. I don't think he's the guy. But, hey, maybe this year, going into next year, they could do something. It did, obviously, a lot of Penn State guys that backed out and stuff like that. This was going to be their year. Obviously not their year. 0-2. Got to make something out of this. See what happens. Going to Michigan and Harbaugh, I think Harbaugh, they're going to chalk it up as, hey, it was a COVID year, blah, 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 blah. Believe me, Harbaugh's not going anywhere. He gets a lot of money to that college. He gets a lot of good recruits. He can get you to there, get you somewhere on a Sunday. That's the motto. That's why he will never leave that program, in my opinion. In my opinion. And you're right. You're right about Rutgers. They're not the Rutgers of old. They, they did have a very – did you see that, uh, like, eight-lateral play at the end of the I loved game? it. I loved <laughs> it. The, 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 that shows right there what kind of team that Rutgers, I think, is going to be the rest of this year. That pain in the neck team that you can't get out of the game, they're going to be there. And I think this is one of those things where you watch the plus side of the spread for them because they're going to be um, – they're, they're going to be the dogs in most of the games they play this year. Uh, it, uh, coming from a few instances, obviously, when they play uh, like Maryland or somebody, I, I would assume. I haven't seen any of those uh, future lines. But I, like I said, this is a, definitely a team you want to watch uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, Maryland's a team we'll definitely be getting into on Thursday. They play Penn State this week. To his brother, uh, he, he didn't look bad. Minnesota, hmm, no bueno. But talking about Tua, that'll bring us right over into the NFL and you know that's the first place I'm going, baby. It's Tua time. Tua time, boy. They're back. Tua time. He's back. Uh, I know wow. he only. I only. I, I know he only threw for 93 passing yards. He had one touchdown, and he had a fumble. But folks, this is what I have to say. I heard. I've heard a lot of this shit. My one buddy even saying to me, "Dude, I don't think Tua's it. He didn't look good." But he played one game against a good defense, Aaron Aaron Donald on defense, and guess what? Once Miami's defense put him up like twenty, they were up three scores, up four scores, right? And Tua did have the did have that touchdown, touchdown pass on a third down against the blitz. He got the ball out really fast, and it was PI. It was right in the money. Let's just let's remember that. But the game script was just don't. We're not going to give this kid a lot of hard things to do because we're up in the game. We're trusting our defense. We're going to run the ball, run the ball, kill the clock, blah 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 blah. And that's what they did. They ended up beating the Rams. It was a great win. He's one and zero. Guess what? Next week. When they go on the road to Arizona, a much easier defense. I think you're going to see a lot more things open up for this for this offense, and they're going to let Tua throw the ball a lot more. And believe me, I am I am in on Tua. I think he looked really good with what he was doing and what they were giving him. And next week, I'm going to be getting into that game on Thursday. I'll be breaking this game down because I think this could be a this could be a very surprising game for a lot of people because I think a lot of people are going to look at that stat line and say, ooh, Tua shit, Tua shit. Let's go hammer Arizona, blah, 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 blah. I think Tua can show a lot of things this upcoming week. And that Miami defense, my last thing on my Dolphins, I know I'm ranting about them, but, boy, I've been alive for 22 years and I've never seen a Miami team this good. 
this defense, and I mean that because the last time they made the playoffs was like 12 years ago. I've never seen a Dolphins team this good before, and that's not saying much, obviously. This defense is number one in scoring defense in the NFL. Uh, they have a plus 58 points or a point differential uh, throughout the season. That's the, that is 57 points higher than the next closest team in the AFC East, which is the Bills. Not sure how the Bills are 6-2. and two. Dolphins are 4-3. and three. This defense has no one over the age of 30. This te- this defense is a scary ass defense. I would be worried. I'm I know I'm a homer. You can call me whatever you want, but this team's coming for the AFC East this year. I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you. Uh, we talked about it obviously once we start back up on the podcast on how good of a job that the Miami Dolphins did and went out and went out and uh, built up this defense. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with your take on the uh, Tua situation. Also, don't forget, folks, this um, Rams defense is is um, it's outstanding. It's impeccable. It's it's one of the it, best. It's in an the elite NFL. defense. It is an elite defense. It's, and and for a rookie quarterback to come in there and and just take away a win, that's a that's a that's a that's a learning moment, absolutely. And I think he's going to grow from that. And I think this is the guy who, who who they made the right choice in bringing him in. And this is a confidence builder, and it's going to take him way forward. Momentum's a huge thing when you play football, and I think this is the momentum builder that they were looking for and they needed. Yep. Uh, next thing we'll jump into, I want to talk about this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. Man, I feel bad for Raven fans. I know I was all over the Ravens. Losing Ronnie Staley in the in the third quarter like they did. He's out for the season now. He just signed a $100 million contract. It hurt. It hurt a lot. And you saw it in the game how much it hurt because Baltimore outgained, outyarded, blah, 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 blah. Turnovers killed him. And uh, I know Lamar threw a pick six in the first play. That's That's whatever. That's null and void. Losing Staley meant so much to this offensive line. Lamar didn't have time. There was a couple holding calls where Lamar would break a run. He'd break a run off and then come back for a holding call. It, it really sucked. I did see um, Marquise Brown tweeted out, and they deleted it right away, something about not getting targets. That's not a good look. And uh, they just their, – their top corner, Humphrey there, he's out with COVID. This upcoming week against Indy, it, it, it's, a, it's a scary spot to be in for a Ravens fan. I mean, I think their Super Bowl hopes are – not killed, but they're they're a lot lower on the totem pole, especially losing Staley. He was a staple of that offense. I mean, looming looming in that absolutely. I think I think uh, a lot of people didn't think that the Pittsburgh can go on and be seven and zero. Let's not take anybody, anything away from Pittsburgh. They're playing excellent football right now. Uh, Johnson. Claypool, uh, we talked about, you know, with him coming back, can Claypool get his, his numbers there? And I think he, he ultimately showed that offensively this team definitely did some growth from week to week. I still think they're in a growing mode. I think they're going to keep showing what they're, what they're made of. That defense went out there and made some great plays. Uh, we talked about turnovers, holding calls. That's a part of the game. You have to overcome that. Uh, not taking anything away from the Steelers, but uh, Baltimore needs to uh, make less, less mistakes if they have any, any Super Bowl or, play, or, you know what I mean, Super Bowl hopes in the future there. I agree, and, and you're right. I, I'm not. I have not been this high on Pittsburgh. I keep saying some, maybe a little luck box here, luck box there. But hey, you're right. They're seven and zero. They're a hell of a team. Their offense is solid. Their defense, obviously, top in the league. They're gonna be. A, they're gonna be a force to reckon with. I. I they're not gonna go sixteen and zero. No one. No one ever asked that question. They're gonna lose a couple, but hey, they are in the driver's seat right now for the AFC number one seed, and that number one seed is gonna mean a lot come playoff time. Okay, so with that, I got a question to ask here. Who had the worst loss today? The Titans, the Packers, or the Brownies? Well, I'm not going to sit here and say the Browns did because I, I came out and I was I told you Chucky and the Raiders they were coming for you. Uh, they showed it. This is a team that uh, I think I think the Raiders are better. 
Uh, I think the ultimate loss of the week was definitely goes to the Titans. I mean, don't get me wrong. Take nothing away from Joey Backdoor. He came out and he played his game. Um, Higgins, uh, I think that offense did a tremendous job. And how about that defense stepping up and making the plays when it had to? Um, yeah, I'll be honest. That game surprised the living shit out of me. I thought, I thought Tennessee run, 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 run right down their throat, and they'd be able to score. They'd give up points, but they'd be able to just outscore this team. The, the Bengals look good. The defense looked good. I don't know if it was a hangover for the Titans from Pittsburgh, but you're right. Joey looked good. He was able to move the ball up and down the field, which doesn't make doesn't surprise anyone because the Titans secondary is piss poor and their whole defense really isn't that good. Um, I think they overlooked this team, but um, it, it was a great win for the Bengals who really are starting to come on throughout the season. Um, and into the just adding on to the Green Bay game there, Green Bay is going to lose games throughout the season. I mean, that's just what they're built for. They're a bend, don't break team. Um, I th- they're going to they're going to have the kind of the same aura and appearance they did last year coming into the playoffs. I'm not really big. I'm not a big soul person on on the Green Bay Packers. Um, they're very one dimensional. Uh, don't get me wrong, defense still has some work there to do. But like I said, I think the ultimate worst loss of the week goes to the Titans. I mean, this five and a half the line for them was supposed to be a steal this week. And I'm like, again, I'm not taking anything away from, from the Bengals. The Bengals have been in every game that they've played so far. And I think this is a true testament to see um, long run future wise, uh, where they're going to be at within the next five years. And I think this is a team that we're going to keep a close eye on. I think the Bengals out there in Ohio definitely, definitely got, got on the right track, whether they keep it up or not, we'll see. Yep. Uh, uh, one thing I want to add, Desmond King was traded from the Chargers to the Titans uh, a couple hours ago. So that will especially really help their secondary out because, like I said, they're piss poor out there. And we saw it this weekend. We saw it against Pittsburgh, a lot of thrown. Uh, this will definitely help them. I still think they're they're in a in a Super Bowl consideration, especially because they can just ground and pound the ball. And, and like we said, Green Bay, they're going to lose games. And this happens with every NFL team. All good NFL teams always have that time where they're like, how did they lose to that team? Or how did, how did that team beat that team? It happens every single year. It's the middle of the season, off a hangover. It was the worst loss of the week for sure, but I, I am still on the Tennessee bandwagon as far as going forward here with the Packers. They, that team worried me. Uh, they couldn't stop Dalvin Cook or shit. I played him in fantasy at 48 freaking points. That's the reason I lost fantasy. But uh, if you can't stop the run, that that's really worrisome moving forward. I I completely agree with you. I, I have nothing else to really take away from that. Yep. So with that, we'll jump right into the uh, little Niners Seahawks game. So I actually did end up having a bet on the on the on the Seahawks here. Here's my thing. I know I call Seattle a fraud, but they lost last week, so the whole fraudulent mantra takes a back seat for a couple weeks. We'll get back on the train. You don't worry. And a lot of money right at the right at about noon or the kick of the one o'clock games came in on the Niners for the four o'clock game. It took it from a three point line down to a down to a, a pick and then a little buyback on Seattle. I actually got in at uh, minus minus one at I think plus one oh five or something. So it was about a pick, and I was thinking. Hey, San Fran has a lot of a lot of guys out here. Blah 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 blah. Kind of secondary guys. See what see what can happen here. And obviously, the the Seattle running backs always had their issues. But in my opinion, I don't know if Jimmy G's injured or that's still that lingering ankle injury. They're on a short week this week. Nick Mullins is going to be a guy that's probably going to start Thursday, and I think he gives them a better chance to win. Personally, um, San Fran they they look good in that fourth quarter. If they could maybe put that all together they could start looking better but i'd be worried about this frisco team moving forward as for seattle um they did what they thought metcalf went for uh, some crazy numbers 
Um, they don't have a defense. They still give up a lot of points. That's going to hurt them. They're going to need to let Russ cook. I mean, they're letting Russ cook. They're going to need to let him cook a lot. But if there's a team to look for a trade, maybe get a defensive guy before the deadline um, coming up here, I think it'd be Seattle's a great target for a, a D-back or, or something. And they need to get Jamal Adams back because that, that secondary is really missing them. When I look at the San Francisco 49ers, um, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and call me crazy or whatever. I've never been completely sold on Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, output and performance, um, even taking that back to the Super Bowl last year. I think this is a guy that still gets uh, really com- completely nervous. I think he, uh, injury or not, I don't think he plays up to 100% of his potential. Like I said before, when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks, you know, you call it luck. I call it Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has probably the same philosophy for the last 10, 20 years. Um, put the offense out there. He has offensive studs all around him. Um, he doesn't really give a shit about defense. He really never did. Um, you look at all the programs that he's always built. He's always had some studs being able to put points on the board, and he, he kills you as the game goes on with just scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. And it's almost like a, a, a basketball uh, philosophy where you just put up as many points on the board as you can. And then hope at the end of the day that your defense can make that one stop at the end. And that's what it comes down to. Um, like I said, you call luck. I call Pete Carroll. Um, so like I said, San Francisco 49ers, they have some work to do, uh, whether being injured or not, this was supposed to be a top tier team. And I, I think they're struggling. Yep. Um, we'll agree. Disagree on Seattle. They're still frauds. But with that, uh, two quick things I just want to go over here. Denver, Charger game. I do not know what the Chargers are doing. This team loves to play one-score games, except if, it can, it's, if, it, if it's against the Jags there. And Drew Locke and Denver, they look like shit for three quarters. I, I don't know. They pulled something out of a hat at the end of this game to win it. Hell of a win for Locke. Hell of a win, and I think the Chargers showed poise, but they, they're still the Chargers of old. They're still the, the Rivers Day Chargers where they win these one-score games or they have the ball with two minutes to go and they need to go get a score to win by a score. It's funny to watch these guys. Um, it was a good game all around. I, I, don't, I don't know what I think about Locke still. I, I think he's still up in the air, but if Denver could put something together here, maybe, maybe they can win a couple games, but I think this was just one of those fluky Sunday football games that just ended up being a hell of a game to watch and just weird shit happened. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, looking at Herbert's numbers, 29-43 for two, 278 and three touchdowns, two interceptions. Obviously, two interceptions is going to kill you in the long run. Any kind of turnover, especially in this league, with how great the talent is, um, turnovers are going to be a big bug. Um, I still like Herbert. Herbert as a rookie here, I think this is tremendous output. Somebody, like I said, two, I don't care about interceptions typically, but in the long run, I think this hurt this team. Like you said, very fluky kind of deal. But um, two, I think 29 for 43 and 278, three touchdowns, that's a pretty good day if you take away those interceptions. That's a very good freaking day. Um, getting on to the Broncos, obviously Drew Locke, 26-41. 26 out of 41, 248, three touchdowns, one interception. I think Drew Locke is definitely a kid that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. I think uh, the Broncos are going to pull out many more of these fluky games this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how – the rest of the year plays out. I, I'm not. Uh, the one thing I don't like is I don't think this defense for the Chargers has been putting up to its fullest potential. I think that they still give up to way too many plays. Um, I think there's a lot, lot more left in the tank, in in four quarters of football for them, and I don't think they're showing up. I agree. Uh, last thing we'll touch on Sunday night football. I got one thing to say. The NFL is the biggest joke ever. First, <laughs> I don't care. If you want to say that fumble, if you want to say they didn't see where the ball was, they didn't see it was in hand. It's clearly in his hand. I have a picture of it on my freaking Twitter. Philly somehow scored a touchdown. I don't know how. I'm not saying Philly would have won the game. I'm not saying Dallas would have won the game. Dallas should have covered the game. 
The other thing was right before that snap, uh, there was a false there well, not a false start. There was an encroachment on uh on the defensive line. He jumped into the neutral zone, got back. It's called 99 out of 100 times. This time it was not called. Philly ends up getting a luck box touchdown, if you ask me, because if they just recover the ball there, Wentz isn't scoring a touchdown, Dallas would cover. I was furious last night. This this league's an effing joke sometimes to me. That's that's all I have on that game. Get breaking it down. I honestly said uh, said it in the past. Cowboys have been blacklisted for me. Uh, I did watch the game. Uh, I know I said I wouldn't do that, but I guess I somehow dementedly like watching the pain and torture of being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I just love it. It makes me get up early in the morning and just want to live throughout my day. I honestly don't think Ben DiNucci played awful. 21-40-180. I think uh, the game plan they came out with, uh, tricks in the bag. Uh, I think I think being able to, you know, that little slide arm action for me was killing me. I'm like, just just stand up and throw the goddamn ball. You're 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 an NFL quarterback. Come on now. Um, Eagles coming away. You look at how this game started. Um, Dallas comes out 3-0, gets a fumble recovery off a of Wentz. Stupid play. How do you not throw that ball away? Um, Dallas gets down to the five. They turn the ball over. Jesus, come on now. Dallas could come out, took a 10-0 lead. They didn't. This is the typical Dallas Cowboy fashion. I'm sick. I'm sick. You know, it's like having Corona, the flu, and, and AIDS all in one because this is this is the worst feeling as a fan you can have. Um, I'm just sad. Um, 19 carries, 63 yards for Elliott. Come on now. Three yards on average? What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, offensive line, sure. It's just sick. It's sick to me. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to rant on it anymore. I can't it take it. It is. We're, we're done betting this team for, for a while to come unless they, unless they just, uh, like, sign Colin Kaepernick or something because they need to. So – with that, we'll jump into our last segment here, a little Thursday night preview. We have the Niners are playing the Packers. The Packers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 51. Mr. Reininger, what are we thinking with this game? I'm leaning more on the Green Bay side right now. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't have any faith. Um, Green Bay, like I said, I don't have any faith really in any team, uh, in either one of these teams, I should say. But uh, like I said, Green Bay is one of those teams you just expect to lose a few, and I think this is one of those games that they come out and they just win. Um, I think they get the most out of their offense production. Defense is subpar. I think they, with how San Francisco is playing right now, I think they come out and they easily cover it as two and a half. Or Yep, so it uh, looks like there's some some places are up to three with the San Fran juice three. Uh, I mean, it's not officially open because we got some COVID news coming out and we don't know what Jimmy G and stuff, so we don't have an official line and all that, blah, blah, blah. To me, um, I'm on the opposite side of here. I lean Frisco. I will not be betting this game. I'll say that. I don't have a read in these Thursday night games. I don't know what's going on. I've been wrong the last, like, three. I, I'm just staying away. I'm just going to watch it. I would leave, lean Frisco for one reason, the run game. We know they could run the ball very well. I know they didn't show it this week because they got down late. But depending on who's in that backfield, if McKinnon, I don't know what's going on with Mostert, if Tevin Coleman, I think, is injured, Jermichael Hasty, uh, Jeff Wilson, whoever whoever's there, if they can get two of those guys to be bell cow guys with Nick Mullins, I think I don't want to see Jimmy G with Nick Mullins. I think that's a running game that really they could take advantage of this Green Bay team. I mean, Dalvin Cook was able to do it, and and obviously Minnesota, San Fran last year they were some of the best running teams, and not a ton has changed for either of them. Um, more for Minnesota on the offensive line than than Frisco and and Shanahan. This is the, being a primetime game. This is this is a game where he comes out and he plays pretty damn well, in my opinion. I think they uh, they ground and pound the rock here. They they uh, not so much short in the game because I don't think that'll matter. I think if Frisco's running up and down the field, just running, 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 Green Bay can keep up. Frisco's defense isn't anything special, um, so I I'm not betting anything. 
Maybe I'll tweet out a play if I have a, 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 a lean. A different a urge. Yeah. yeah. Or if this line gets out of hand and we get, a, we get maybe three and a half or four for Frisco. Probably nothing, though, but that's how I would look at the game. I, I look at it as a, as a San Fran, San Fran run-heavy game. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't dislike the take. Uh, I more or less look at it. That this is one of those games where I think Aaron Rodgers just completely takes over. I think he just, you know, after, uh, after last week's uh, escapade, I think this week he comes, he comes out and he chucks the football all over the yard like a little recessed kid and has himself a good day and goes home and he pats his, his younger coach on, on the back and says, thank you very much and have a nice day, son. I just think that's how this game's going to roll. I can see that happening as well. Well, that about brings us to the end of our, monday recap segment here i just want to plug everything for everyone please go on tiktok at book it podcast give us a follow i try to post a lot of stuff from the podcast i try to get into some more stuff about gambling and stuff make more of an educational account uh if you can give us a like follow there share whatever the hell you want to do uh, please do uh we have some great takes on there i mean they're funny uh we we put our we, we definitely put our heart and soul into what we, we can give you i know that sounds corny but some of the stuff we say is funny i mean it's one of those deals where like you have to when you're especially betting and sometimes uh you take take some losses you don't expect and we're out here and we're doing the research that we can and you know like i've said tiktok we're on twitter uh just give us a listen we're, we're doing this for the ultimate your benefit you know shorter shows and we're just going to keep trying that rolling for you Yep. Uh, TikTok or not TikTok, Twitter at book it podcast. Uh, we're, we're getting into posting game previews probably about 10, about an hour before the game, just a little quick 15 second read. You can go over it a little weather, uh, any injuries, blah, blah, blah. You can get a little bit just if you want to know quick right before the game, especially on Sundays, we're big with that. Going to start doing it with maybe some college games as well. I think that's about it. Um, remember to like the podcast on whatever platform you listen on, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a drunk at the bar, tell someone not wearing a mask. Say, hey, put your mask on, but also listen to Book of Podcast. I like that. Um, Remind everyone, go out and vote tomorrow. I don't care who wins. Just go vote because your vote matters. This is your civic duty. Yes, sir. Catch you all later. Peace.